God, I love him so much. I love that character so much. Okay, welcome to Hell's Kitchen. I have brought together two people who have been here before, but never together. Merlin Mann and Guy English. How you doing, guys? Hello. Hi, Moe's. Excited. We have the episodes 7, 8, and 9, which are very rich in characters and action. What were you thinking on on seven? How how are we feeling about the man named Stick? He's a little bit of a badass. I I love Stick. Stick is awesome. I want Stick in my life. <laughs> um, the the whole sort of grumpy dad issue is pretty it's pretty cool and it it works well I think with uh, with Matt's character. But Merlin, I I know you're like. You're bananas for him, right? Like you're, you're, you're Gaga. 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 I'm a little. I'm a little bit Gaga for Glenn. I mean, I made my wife watch it because, like, you got to watch this. She, she was like, "All right, fine, like, whatever." Like, here we go. It's just like listening to Steely Dan. I'll be polite, but you know, whatever. <laughs> Listen to the hi hat. But uh, I was like, "You got to see this. You're not gonna believe who this is." Um, drum fill. But, drum fill. <laughs> but um, you know, I, I it's. Uh, I, I did, like I said in the last episode, I, I really didn't know what to expect going into this show. And it was great to, I mean, despite having read, spottily read through several runs of Daredevil in the past, I don't, I don't consider myself anywhere near. I, I mean, I know Foggy, I know Matt, I know Kingpin, I know Electra and Bullseye, but like, I don't even remember stories. Like, I have a bad retention for stories. So I think I saw a stick probably in the Frank Miller run at some point. But uh, boy, what a great way to start off that episode. And, you know, I think we need to, most, maybe we need to start a new thing on here just called the Bone Count where we just get to see how many times we get to see some part of a bone on a living body on this show. <laughs> All right, so what's the bone count on this one? Well, we, we get that uh, little wrist action at the beginning. What a great, what a great intro. Uh, I, I, thought, I thought it was just terrific. And, you know, again, like I said last time, I'm super impressed with how this show rolls out just enough of the nerdy explanation stuff to help you understand like where you are. Like the origin story was very brief, you know, explaining that wonderful scene we talked about in uh, the next third of episodes where, or you know what I mean? The last episode we talked about, you know, how he quote unquote sees, I thought that was handled very well. And, uh, and in this case, they give us just enough. You're like, who is that badass? He's blind and he is, he totally kicks ass. And, and then the music starts and you're already caught up in it. Like, so, so well done. Yeah. yeah, for they have so much time really on the show, but they don't they don't indulge in like long tedious storytelling, right? They just they meet it out carefully. And the stick is another great example of them doing that. Like you just you see just enough to know he's a badass and that he's on the trail of somebody who ends up in New York City. It's yeah. another thing that distinguishes it from a lot of the Marvel stuff, and I don't mean to sound critical, but, you know, on a lot of shows, whether it's, uh, well, this is not Marvel, but like, you know, on, like on The Flash, which I really enjoy, or like on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., there's, there's, there's kind of these funny, like, MacGuffin storylines that get really drawn out, and you're not sure, like, oh, when is this going to get settled? There's these ongoing, you know, episode, or uh, season-long arcs about, you know, oh, there's this thing going on, these Infinity Crystal-type plot lines. Uh, but in this show, I don't get that at all. I mean, the, the real ongoing plot lines 
are actually interesting and they are actually relevant and they actually do develop pretty much in every episode. The ongoing thing with uh, Union Allied, I guess, like as they're trying to unravel that mystery, it's, it's not like we have that much more information as the viewers. We're learning with them. But it does, it still feels surprisingly organic for a funny book show that they're able to do this storytelling so luxuriously without it feeling like it's dragging in the least. I totally agree. I'm not sure what happens with the, uh, with the boy in this one, though. Uh, but I haven't finished the entire season. I've got like oh, with Black two, Sky? Two episodes left. Black Sky, yeah. Yeah. Like, I figure he's a mutant, but they can't say mutant. But I don't know what... Well, Stick like, says that, that he killed I, I, him. I only bring it up because he's a little bit macguffin in this episode. Well, yeah, well, it, that was really strange for me, too, because it was the first time something was done outside of our viewing, and Stick says... I killed him. I put an arrow through through his heart or through his head, whatever it was. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, that's kind of that was just kind of strange because, you know, the 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 tightness of story has been very much different from like Agents of Shield and that kind of thing because it seems like they took the the role of the storyteller and a screenwriter and saying always be going towards the truth in every bit of dialogue that you know it it needs to mean something every time it cannot be fluff and their their conversation you know gives a lot of information about what why why is stick even in town and you know well i i I actually stopped you from killing black sky is it black sky i think it is i think so yeah and 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 oh well he's dead i or he just said that he's he's dead you know whatever it was and i was just like Wow, that was really strange. Uh, I, 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 I don't know where I found this. I looked on the little Wikia site, and there was pretty much just a description of exactly what we saw. Somewhere I feel like I read that maybe he's potentially part of a setup for some kind of an, a story that's been ongoing in the Hell's Kitchen saga in the past. In any case, I, I think I have a feeling there's a lot of stuff that's not apparent to us yet that is set up. Uh, for what's going to happen in the future series. Like, I imagine that, you know, all the stuff that's going on with, you know, what what, what is it exactly that Wilson Fisk is making? Like, wh- what is that? Like, wh- what are all these parts? What is the Black Sky for? Why does why, why would that guy want Black Sky? Well, clearly this is like, I guess, like part of all these different agendas of all these different factions and the triads and everybody's got their reasons for what they're doing. And, you know, I, I think that's probably all building up to a bigger storyline about what's going to happen to Hell's Kitchen in the future, I'm guessing. Right, and the guy that Stick reports to, um, yeah, yeah, do you see him again? Because he's a he looks like a serious badass. I can tell you, without telling you, that is it. Okay, and you know, so that's you, enticing. Oh yeah, I mean, like, I mean, the scars and everything. I'm just like, who is that? Like, who are they trying? I, you know, because I don't remember in the comics. And in point in fact, I just found my Daredevil stash in the garage, and I was crazy like like i immediately went to a place that i hadn't been to in um well in probably 25 26 years and i got so amped up and crazy like i was uh-huh. shaking because it was just, like to be able to actually look at these again <laughs> it was just it, it it felt so weird and and then to open up some of these the stick stuff and i didn't i was like i don't get this at all you know, not no nobody's. This isn't jiving. So I'm kind of almost thinking that this is a maybe a cross section of a Bendis part that I'm not familiar with. I don't maybe, know. Yeah. I don't. I don't know who that character would be. Yeah. Like I, there's no. Was he burning incense? 
Yes. It yeah. seemed like he was doing kind of a mystical thing. Yeah, a little Buddhist-type kind of action, you know. Yeah. But he's he's built like a... Truck. Drick, yeah. He's huge, Isn't guess, Stick... So. What is the group that Stick is in in the comics? Like uh, like some kind of... Not the Red Hand, but isn't he in some kind of... No, it's gr- the Hand. The Hand, is that what it's called? I think... I'm almost positive, yeah. Yeah, I was just well, looking that's, through... That's, that's the go-to ninja set of people, right? Oh, ninja. Ooh. Yeah, what else did we get in this one? Um, well, one, oh, one the, we well we got the. I mean, my God, we got the the flashback. The flashbacks were, I thought, fantastic. All right, what'd yeah. you like about that one? Oh man, I loved. I again, I love the tightness of the of the script. I liked the pacing of it, and I, I liked that. You know, again, show don't tell. I liked him rolling out a big idea to little Matt in a way that he could understand. So, you know, like when when a little kid talks to an adult, an adult likes to think in these in these big arcs and trying to explain big ideas to kids, right? And it never works cuz kids don't care and they're not interested. And you know, even though Matt's a really smart, ambitious and curious little kid in his way, you know, it it finally he's he's trying he could just sit there for 20 minutes and go, "Please, Matt, understand, you've got to make your powers better and learn to, you know, be more sensitive to what's going on in the world." And instead, he says, "Check out this ice cream cone." And he's able to, under, first of all, he shows off a little bit by showing what he can do. He gets Matt to do it. And with that little bit of prodding, then Matt is able to, like a mutant in the, in the X-Men in some ways, he's able to admit to himself that there's more there that he could see that he's probably kind of been ignoring because he hates the quote-unquote power or disability that he has. And I think it's a great moment of showing that this thing that you consider, consider a terrible hindrance and disability is an incredible gift. Like, you're, you're more lucky than you realize, Matt. And so tell me what's going on with that dog. Tell me what's going on with that lady. I thought it was, I just, I don't know. I thought it was terrific. I, I don't have that many terrible things to say about this show. I, I just, I, I found it completely immersive. And scenes like that are why I, I really love it. You know, I thought, I thought that really felt real. And I like that he wasn't just being like nice dad to him. I like that he was being tough with him. Yeah, he's a, <laughs> yeah. he's like a real teacher in a lot of ways. Like he's, uh, he's not coddling him at all. He's like, a, he's like a drill sergeant who's trying to make sure right. he stays alive and nom and takes takes care of what he needs to do, you know? Yeah, and, you know, I found that really interesting because I, you know, and I can't remember if they had done this in the comic, but like, you know, he has all that, you know, the, 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 the fatigues on. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, he was always blind, but he, he seems so militaristic, you know, in, in, in the way he is, but he clearly was never in the military. But, you know, he almost has that Vietnam vet kind of feel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, maybe, you know, who knows? Maybe he was in some kind of, you know, paramilitary shield type group. What, now, what is the hand? Shield. What is the hand in the comics? What do they do? They're like a, 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 a... I know Nobu is not strictly from the comic. Is he kind of... Didn't you say, Guy, that Nobu's kind of like based on a, on a character from the comic? Uh, I'm not sure if he is. The hand is... Um... Well, I mean, you know when Wolverine messes with a whole bunch of ninjas? It's the hand all the time. Okay. Um, so they're kind of the go-to ninja army baddies. Um, Electra's not part of the hand, but I don't know. Is is Bullseye ever? I think so. I, I, I thought that Electra was taught by the hand. Oh, maybe, yeah. But I'm not – but that's – you know, again, I think that's a plot line that we're going to see developing for sure because – 
<laughs> going through like even this episode where they where they um have Elliot Potter. Yep. Is that his name, Elliot Potter? Yep. Yeah. Oh, who, he's yeah. the uh, he's the guy who makes the suit. He's yep. the gladiator. And if you and I didn't notice this until watching it again, which you know, it's funny you mentioned this Merlin on Back to Work about reviewing and and watching these again because you do get kind of a different feel for it. Um and I don't know exactly what that feel is, but I know it's different. Um, but I, cause I was able to see things a little differently. And then there was a, there, cause there was a poster of the gladiator on Elliot's wall. And so I was like, oh my gosh, that I cannot believe that's him. And then I happened to look through a comic today and I was like, boom, there it is. It's a wow. Electra gladiator and daredevil. Fighting army of ninjas. Darn right. Gladiator. Yeah. The whole, the whole stick thing. I don't know. I, um, I'm trying to. What else happened? What happened with Fisk in this uh, in this episode? This was a wasn't this kind of a Fisk light episode? Well, I is I believe if I'm not mistaken, it's either this one or the next one is where we start getting into a whole how he um his very his his regimens of how, what he does in the morning. I if think I'm that's not, eight. That's the okay, exquisite okay. episode. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> right. That's, okay, yeah, it's it's the sad omelet episode. Oh man! Oh, little saddest omelet. There's, there's your there's your title. It's so amazing. Oh, and his little his little like graded scallions he always puts on. Yeah, it's so depressing. And he cuts up so many and uses so few. <laughs> right. Which I and then but the the whole I mean I I can I can I can't even think about you know walking into a closet and you've just got all these suits that for me looked all the same. In his eyes, they are very much different. And then to have that reveal of uh, myself as a boy covered in blood. Yeah, I thought that was pretty nicely done. Yeah, it, all, it's, all three it's of these. A little on the, go ahead. Little on the nose. Yeah. 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 All, all three of these, though, really benefited from a terrific uh, pre-roll. Like, all, all three of these, whatever you want to call it, the cold open of all three of these, uh, eight, seven, eight, and nine, I thought were all just terrific. Yeah. Are we going? We, do we cover enough in seven? Did we? Uh, what else do we need? It seems like lots happened in seven. Well, so seven, yeah. Well, I mean, we, we get the whole stick thing. We get um, basically his training, uh, or Matt's initial training. Um, we don't actually see him train that much. Like at one point, he meets Stick, and then later on, we just see him already being pretty kick-ass. Yeah, and, and we and we learn sticks displeased with what Matt is doing now. He's not the warrior that he's supposed to be, um, and that there was something that happened, and Stick left him, and that was that was really like kind of a heartbreaker for him. Well, we see that, don't we? We see um, Matt gives him the bracelet made from the uh, ice cream wrapper, and then Stick's like, "Well, I can't train. I can't train you anymore, so I'm leaving." Yeah, that just seemed, but you know, that just seemed like, are you serious? You're leaving over that? I thought so. Merlin, what, what did you think? Well, um, I'm trying to remember the exact scene. I do remember it seeming a little bit abrupt, but I think yeah. it's, it's also just, impo- I mean, again, to go back to that idea of, you know, a, a like, a, not only just a drill sergeant, but anybody who's training recruits to, who are going to be going into war in the next few months. Um, they are they're not there to be your pal or to be your dad. They're there to 
you know, as I understand it, it's, it's a form of brainwashing. Basically, the, the idea is to, to take everything about you and all of your own conceits and ideas of identity, strip them away completely, and then rebuild you as a Marine or as an airman or whatever that is. And I think that's exactly what he's doing here. In order, for, in order he feels like he, there's a war coming. And in order for Matt to succeed, he's going to have to let go of feeling sorry for himself. He's going to have, but basically that he would, has to let go of all these emotional things. And so he, you know, he makes fun of him for those emotional things. And he rejects any any time that you know he's going to become like a father to him, because even if even if Stick does have those feelings for Matt, and I imagine he might on some level, he must, or he wouldn't put that much time into a stupid little blind kid. Even though he has those feelings, he could never let them out because that makes that would make Matt weak and vulnerable, and would screw up the whole idea that he can essentially you know kind of semi torture this kid <laughs> into becoming uh, you know a, a raw a raw finding machine. But you know, but he, so, uh, he kept the rapper, you know. Yeah, yeah. So when Matt gives him the wrapper, he under, he realizes that uh, he's kind of failed a little bit in his training, and hmm. because Matt's become attached to him, and he wants him not to be attached to anything, right? You don't think he was and called then, away on uh, hand business? Hand business. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Went to the corner to buy a pack of smokes. Never came back. <laughs> um, it's the way it's did, done. He, yeah, exactly. But he kept the bracelet, which was you know. Yeah. Say something. Yeah, it does. I think well, you know, and the, there is, I there is a side kind of plot line with Foggy and Karen, and it starts to bring Matt closer to Fisk, with where she was almost attacked, and then Foggy comes and saves the day with a baseball bat. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of cool because a she takes one out. She what? I think she kicks him in the nuts, right? Yeah. And then the second one, what happens? Oh, Foggy hits him with a baseball. You know what I found weird about that scene is that Foggy just kind of absentmindedly hits him over the head with a baseball bat on his way out. That's that you could kill somebody like that. I know that's aggravated like, assault. <laughs> in, 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 Probably shouldn't be doing that. But, yeah. yeah, he knows the law. Yeah, like, I, I have to. Pretty I, have good to too. I have to shamefully admit one thing. I don't want to derail us because, uh, but you know, I I, I loved. Foggy the first time around and will fiercely defend Foggy to anybody who thought he was annoying or whatever. He's not, it's not quite as cute and fun the second time or third time watching it, but I, I still really enjoy it. And I love his relationship with Karen. And I think it's, I think a lot of probably what makes the pace of this uh, show so interesting is that even when it's cutting to them and oh, I mean, Seven ha also has some of their funniest, isn't that where they have a lot of the banner about his fisticuffs? And, yep. and coming up against somebody who's fisticuffy, I thought that was really funny. I've seen that three times, and I still think it's really, really funny. But um, yeah, he's he's going on me. I I kind of don't like the actor. Yeah. Uh, so I feel what, what are you up to? Are, 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 is nine what you're up to at this point? Uh, I think I've seen ten. So you saw the yeah. I, like I'm being going back and watching okay. them in groups of three. Okay. Uh, I if you spoil anything you want. No, 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 not for I just don't, really don't want to listen ruin it for our listeners. But um but you know that again just in passing generalities, what a terrific again what a terrific cast. And I mean to say the yep. thing that we hinted at last time I think is it is interesting to think of these uh this this you know this whole series of whatever 13 episodes and I mean I think we're kind of accidentally unintentionally breaking these into pretty good acts in some ways. Like, yeah. I think those first three episodes kind of do represent, and I, I don't think we planned it this way, but those three represent a pretty good act. I think these three represent a pretty good act. And I, just from memory anyway, starting with 10, that's really kind of where the next act starts. 
in some ways, 10 fits in because it does also involve a, a lot of serious flashback stuff. But but I, I feel like this is the pacing is great. And, and, and like I said a million times on Twitter, it's so improbable to me that like around episode seven and eight, a very good show suddenly goes, you get to kind of like, wow, this is this is really rich. I mean, for a funny book uh, TV show, this is this is up there. Yeah, this it, it has no right to be as good as it is. Frankly, I, which, you know, which I, yeah, you're absolutely show. right. Yeah, mm-hmm. so there's just so many, there's so many pitfalls and so many ways you could go wrong. I mean, a thousand notes that you could you could hit wrong. Like I said last time, the whole I, you know when you think of Kingpin, you think about him in the Frank Miller run. I mean, he's he looks like Blob. He looks like you know Fred. <laughs> he's he is like ridiculously obese. He he is almost like spherical. And I, I think the the, the, way, the casting of D'Onofrio and the way that he does it, um, I think that makes his character so much more. I'm just repeating myself now, but I mean, there's a million ways you could have gotten this. That you could have gotten this more wrong. And I, I feel like there's there's a lot of humanity, a lot of heart in every episode. And you know, it gets a little bit. Some of the stuff that happens in what episode nine, some of the stuff with Mrs. Carnitas gets a little bit sappy. <laughs> Now you got me laughing every time I hear that. It's like special special agent J- Kuyan. It, it really makes me laugh, and I can't help it. But it gets a, it gets a little bit, you know. But I'll, I'm you know I'll give it to him. I, I think a lot of it a lot of it is pretty pretty well earned. And I think that I, I and again an ongoing thing with Charlie Cox as Matt and Daredevil is uh you know he <laughs> now I'm thinking of the Pete Holmes um, series where Professor X fires all the different X Men. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Um, oh, it, yeah, yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. It's it's pretty goddamn funny. And the one where he fires Wolverine. Have you ever seen this, Phil, where uh, Professor uh-uh. X fires each of the mutants? And it's, each what? one is just a little throwaway, one-off sketch where he's like, Wolverine, you're useless. You got the claws. And you're wondering, oh, oh what happened in my past? You know? <laughs> um, but, you know, Wolverine can become so ruminative and so, and you know, and gloomy. And, you know, Batman is so gloomy. But I buy Matt's, you know, little bit of Catholic torture. And I, you know, I buy that he's really struggling with where the line should be to do this. He has to be brave when he's the mess man. He has to, he has to make whoever he's with feel that there's nothing he won't do. But I think he really struggles with it. And that comes through. Yeah. And he's not moping around in his civilian life either. You know, like he's, he's a lawyer and he. So handsome. Yeah. He's a, yeah, he's a handsome guy. Hey, super busy. (laughs) He is, but he's pretty good at his job too, which I like. Mm-hmm. And his job is what I've always liked about the character is that his job is also being a good guy. You know, like he's not a billionaire, or he's not Peter Parker who's taking photographs. Matt's life is by day he's a public defender. By night he's cracking some skulls. Like yeah, there's been two. There's been two or three significant times where. The the daytime Matt is trying to work the channels and do things the right way, while nighttime right. Matt. I mean, obviously, in the case of getting um, taking care of what's his name, the guy in the bowling alley, I forget his name now. Oh, yeah. But um, I mean, you know, by day he's trying to do it the right way, and then by night, you know, he fixes it. <laughs> yeah. Well, like Who, I fixed himself pretty good. Oh God, yeah. that was so gross. Yeah, I know. I know. That's one of the things that I'm not sure if I enjoy it that much. Like the there's a lot of really gross things that happen on this show. A lot of blood. Well, yeah. and especially coming up when we're when we're, we we start to deal in the fisks. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. Because, because I mean, that one starts with the routine of the egg. This is episode eight, Shadows in the Glass. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I mean, we get ninjas in it too, so that's always nice. Um, I, I, mean, that's, I get, think that's nine. I keep getting like going nine is a little bit ahead. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seven, seven uh, earlier, but it's pre eight that we first get this thing. Don't isn't that when we first get the idea? Like Fisk goes to buy that art, and you're like, hmm, that's kind of strange. He's buying this costly painting that looks like a stucco wall. He must really like that. Yes. Work. And I thought that was terrific. I don't know if that I don't remember that being in the comic, but I thought that was very well played. And episode eight is where we're going to learn. We're going to learn about Fisk's background, his childhood, and in particular, we're going to learn about where that whole wall thing comes from. That was that was that was sheer. It was, re- I, and I, I say this with a grain of salt. You know, very genius writing. You know, it's we got we it, it, what seems to be arbitrary. This painting becomes a very, very, very crucial part of his character and where he came from. And his dad, you know, obviously wants to be this big deal. He wants to be a kingpin, if you will. And you know, he's kind of a schmucky guy. And he really doesn't have the money to do these things and these resources. And he get he gets shown kind of exactly the opposite way, you know, you should treat a woman and especially your mother. And yet he has these these sensibilities in him, you know, as an adult. Like he's very kind to um uh Vanessa. You know, he 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 wants to, you know, be everything he can be for her. And, you know, and in much the way his mom was, uh, you know, kind of everything to him. Mm-hmm. Plus, we had some awesome Rolling Stones music there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. I, I, I loved it. I don't know. Like the, guy, totally um, the, guy who is, the guy who was Herc on The Wire, I, I, yeah. I, uh, as his dad, um, on the one hand, he was kind of a standard mook out of central casting. But I think I'm really glad they did it that way. If they had made him, I mean, I don't, obviously, I'm not saying go make cardboard characters, but I, I think he was characterized just enough that you, you could feel his pain, but he was essentially kind of a cardboard bully. And I think that helped, because that is really not so much about the characterization of his dad. It's about developing the character of Wilson right. Fisk. And that child actor was, I thought he was extremely good. He was that, I, I feel like he could have played me in my, in my childhood. I didn't get bullied like he did, but like I sure felt like that kid did. He did you know? amazze. I mean, considering how young. I mean, twelve, thirteen. He, maybe? he covered a lot. I thought he brought a lot of emotional depth and breadth in his yeah, it's, short it's number hard, of it, scenes. It's hard to play that too, like getting bullied but trying to have like a stiff upper lip kind of thing mm-hmm. for a kid. I, mean, I thought he did a great job. Well, and especially having your dad like basically fighting your fights for you, and then him, you know, you know, he says, you know, he gives him the bat and says, "Okay, you do it now." You know, you and then, you know, it kind of charges him up enough to to do that. You know, I think that's a, a big point in his mind. It's like, well, if I can do this to a bully, I can do the same thing to you. You know, you're going to if you're I, I it kind of uncorked something in him. I still don't quite get the whole where he you know, he was his mom sent him off to to, to Japan. That that's still very elusive to me. Yeah, I don't get that either. They didn't really explain it. Yeah. But I thought they did a nice job through throughout those flashback scenes. I mean, God, you talk about, you know, with all the blood porn, I have to say, I feel like one of the most, well, I don't want to say, you know, obviously it was very disturbing to see him kill his father with a hammer, but like the bruises on his mom's arm, arms yeah. were so disquieting to me. It was, 
it was yeah. so she didn't even bother to try to hide them because she it was like well this is just what my life is but it was it was kind of in your face it was i don't know if it was too much but uh i think maybe not i think it helped really say like she's trying to keep this place together and she's going to take the hits because that's she's trying to protect her kid but she's you know she's not a pushover but uh no she stands up to you know well and, and and she and she also knows how to dismantle a body get well, the that, saw that was a little bit weird get the <laughs> that saw that was pretty like, that was i got to say that that was yeah, I mean, the way that that happened, there's several different ways that could have gone that would have been more plausible. I mean, first of all, the like getting rid of the body thing would be pretty weird. The getting rid of the body involving her son is super weird. Getting the getting rid of the body over a week after cutting it into pieces in front of her son, it doesn't feel that that feels a little bit clunky to me. Yeah. On the other hand, that's why he's a crazy kingpin. Like Neither parent was particularly good, I don't think. I'm glad he didn't get, get elected, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that would be bad. Well, and, and the thing is, like, he had this feeling that to if I get elected, like, I get the juice. Like, I yeah, get the yeah, money totally coming wrong. in. Yeah, yeah. You're right. He, Merlin, he was kind of a cardboard cutout guy. But I, whatever. I think it worked enough to explain where uh, Wilson Fisk gets his. Um, his personality from, or, you yeah, know, and yeah, his, I mean, it's, and, formative years, you know, and that's that's a, it's a credit to this show, you know. Gosh, uh, any, anything you make, any creative, fictive product, there's so much that goes into again what David Laura is called the dramaturgy, right? Deciding what goes in, what you leave out, and you know, there's they they could have gone really deep in the weeds on this. They could have made that an entire flashback episode. They could have had lots more of Fisk you, seeing Fisk being bullied, but we didn't see him getting hit. We saw what happened after that. That was, it was great compression, and that was really all that we needed to see. What was important was how his mom dealt with it, and then how his dad dealt with it, and yeah. and then what the results of that were. Yeah, and I think if they'd made maybe his dad more sympathetic, uh, we would have lost the point in the weeds a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In that you know, like it's not really about his dad. His dad is cardboard cut up bad guy dad, yep. basically, and good it's it's fine it, it helps the, the story move and that's what we're you know that's what we're there for we we don't need an in-depth um analysis of his dad's foibles like it's, mm-hmm. it's not the point and what i found interesting is you know he's 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 been alone so long and and you know he kind of expresses this to v- vanessa you know i i don't do this kind of thing it's it's not really in my nature you know, but he, you can tell he has this longing for companionship and for somebody to trust more than Wesley, which, again, Wesley and him, I, I'm, I'm amazed at that friendship slash working relationship exists the way it does. I mean, it just it's so tight knit and, you know, you know, no spoiler here, but that really comes to be a, a trigger point later. Um when when certain things uh kind of fall to pieces mm-hmm. but i'm amazed at madame gal basically kind of going and saying you know you're getting involved with somebody and you know it, i can see this in like my own life or things that we do in a normal way you know y- you have that moment where you know it, it's kind of the you know bros before hoes type thing you know immediately that statement starts getting flaunted out when you know you start putting stuff down and it's like i really want to focus on this woman I want to be with this person. 
and and like everything else kind of just fades away. And unfortunately, the stakes are 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 super high for him right now. And he doesn't he really is not afforded the opportunity to to get into a, a relationship. Was that in episode eight when Madame Gao comes over for tea? Yeah. Yep. Wow, that's a lot of episode. I enjoyed I she enjoyed is their so exchange. Badass. Isn't Yo, she great? Yeah. Oh, she's amazing. I, yeah. I like their exchange a lot. And you're right. Like so she's bringing up the idea that that this you know kind of I guess maybe what the Russians were saying that he's becoming emotional and becoming careless. I'm still not entirely clear what Fisk's role again, I'm terrible at figuring out what the plot of anything is. I like, I'm easily confused. But so we we've got just just to help me understand. We've got drugs coming into the country. Madame that's Madame Gao's operation. Right? That seems yeah. to be a fueling uh, some sort of an economic engine, let's just say. But then that goes through Fisk and Fisk has what the muscle and the manpower to like and, and the connections, right? He's kind of he's kind of like Don Corleone in some ways, right? He's got the judges yeah, he, in his pocket. Yeah, right, we yeah. know he controls a huge chunk of the police force too. And so remind me what Nobu is more interested in the development piece, right? Yes. His, yeah, he, he and his he, superiors really want to see this, and we're not entirely sure why, but th- there's something specific about this area. And again, I guess the Black Sky will come into this at some point, but just help me understand. So you got the drugs, you got the kingpin who's necessary, who is, but he's a middleman, he, right? I mean, he's not perfectly essential any more than the Russians were, but then it's, then that money is being used to fund Nobu to do the development. Is that right? I think, I think he has the people like with Owl, like to, get these developments spun up you know it's almost like this gentrification that he has kind of behind the scenes like stripping out because they were talking about the the whole idea of getting rid of some of the the old and and making it new and making it nice but at the same time he's keeping a a portion for nobu yeah because he promises him a block promised yeah him, why, why did he want that specific place i don't know I was hoping it would be revealed by the end of the season, but I guess not, if you guys don't know. I don't, it's, it's I don't, where, know. I don't, I don't remember. Do you, does it come up? Does it come up? I don't remember. Uh, I don't really think so. About that. Like, yeah. Find out next time. Yeah. yeah. But, it, but mean, it's interesting because, you know, again, you, it's so interesting how it locks together with the whole Fisk personality. And we talked last time how great it is they just roll him out a little at a time. Well, now we're really getting to see Fisk and how he operates very intimately. And but again, I I love this idea of you know any character gets more interesting when I mean what is it that makes a story like there's somebody uh, who has who's confronted with a seemingly impossible challenge we see how they handle that challenge and what it tells us about what kind of person they are that's pretty much every good story in some way and in this instance like we see him being pulled in these different directions where like there's the the two like good parts of him the parts of him that are good want to have a close relationship and love somebody and wants to do something for his city. And now I think even though <laughs> he's obviously a really screwed up guy, there is some part of him, a big part of him that really feels like he's trying to do. I really believe he thinks he's trying to do the right thing, even though he's yeah. a total criminal and thug. I, 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 again, like all good villains, he's the hero of his own story. Right. And, uh, right. I, I can see it. I can. I mean, the logic is kind of screwed up, but um, he, I think he does think he's doing something good for the city. Uh, <laughs> well, and in fact, Yurik then take you know they try to spin it so that he is not the he is he is the bad guy that no one sees, and because Fisk has the 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 punch uh, with the media, 
he has that press conference to go ahead and right. spin it his way. Yeah, which makes that. him a which makes him a household name at that point. Yeah, because I I I like him because he's just I like that they make him smart. You know what I mean? Like he's not just a, a puppet master pulling the strings. Like he's actually a smart guy. He's got objectives, and this 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 um, press conference goes against what he would want. Like that's just not who he is. But he goes ahead and does it anyway. In order to get like to stay one step ahead. Well, and think about this character who was nameless for yeah. three episodes. Yeah. Who are you talking about? Fisk. Are you, oh, you, oh, oh you, I'm sorry. You, yes, of course. I'm yeah, sorry. you didn't. You didn't even. You know, you weren't even say his name. Now here he is in the limelight. Right. Sorry. Sorry, I was spacing because I'm thinking about the press conference and you know another thing again. So one thing we skipped over that's worth mentioning. I again a nice bit of of characterization. And uh, plot line after he flip, he he does his table flip after Madame Gal leaves and uh, Wesley brings <laughs> Vanessa in. I mean, I, that was I thought that was really when he like basically lays it all out for her and like that's and it's so great because now it ties in with why are we why are we seeing this flashback? Well, it's in the service of him being able to tell her the story of how he killed his own father and like how is she going to respond to that? I thought I thought that was I thought that was quite good. Yeah, the, pre- the press conference. Um, I don't know. I think it's weird that Vanessa and Owsley were there. I think that's strange. I mean, it's, it makes the plot a little bit easier to, to do something with, but I, I, I think as somebody who's so cunning about what he decides to have the public know, like, I can't believe that on the day that he's announcing that he's out there and he's this guy, that he would also have this woman that he's incredibly worried about on stage with him. I, I, get, I get why for like, oh, you know, pump him up reasons, but doesn't that seem kind of strange? I tend to agree yeah i mean it, it i think it made sense from a storytelling point of view but yeah i it's kind of weird like and he, he says owlsley was assaulted and stood up to the guy in the mask really you didn't need him standing there to do that <laughs> and, and like even then like if i mean his point he, he wants to be private so he can protect his uh effectively his identity and his business dealings um so exposing three people himself and Owsley and and vanessa uh just seems like a bad move like, yeah why <laughs> like, like limit your liability to just yourself so at least you can figure out the angles on that kind of thing but whatever yeah um you know you know it's funny because the exposure um i i'm almost for certain. Um, oh, and you know, while I'm thinking about it, because the internet's probably going ablaze right now, it is Melvin Potter, not Elliot Potter. Okay. But neither here nor there. Um, but they just don't a, say his first name in the episode, by the way. Okay, it's, it's just, just Potter. Mr. Potter. It's just Mr. Potter. That's right, that's right. <laughs> the guy's half an idiot. <laughs> it's the other yeah, half I, you that's know, important. <laughs> and he's a, that guy's like a character actor in like a lot of things. Like he always plays like the super heavy, uh, he, like... If you had your, you know, lineup of of uh, action heroes, he's always, you know, the guy carrying the biggest gun. Yeah, I'm also um, but, really glad yeah. I just googled Gladiator because the entire time you were saying Gladiator, I kept thinking of the guy, of <laughs> the guy from the X Men, who's um, oh, what's the group with uh, Professor Professor Rex's space girlfriend? Oh, <laughs> who destroys, yeah. who destroys <laughs> oh, Jean Grey? Oh my god! Oh yeah, that, that's Mohawk. also that's also Gladiator. Yeah, 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 <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah. All right, that wasn't him. It was a different Gladiator. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you can imagine my confusion. <laughs> oh, yeah. sure. Yeah, 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 that's awesome. The um, um but, but wait, so I I loved uh that thing that you just quoted from Fisk. It's the other half that's important. Yeah, that was a great mm. line. I, I love that. Like, it's Fisk is he's wise. You know what I mean? Like, he's very literary. He's very literary. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just interesting. Like, oh, he's half an idiot. Yeah, but he's really good at this thing. So. I just I like that. I like that um, Fisk is not dismissive. And, you know, like he's not this weird ego monster. And I think they're portraying that's him the, in a really interesting way. That's, in, a, that's, a, that's a really good point. Somebody, I forget, I want to say it might have been Andy Naka, but somebody made a point about Bob's Burgers. And one of the things, like, why is Bob's Burgers so great? And it's because it isn't just a bunch of, like, consecutive one-liners that people lob at each other. That, first of all, every character on the show hears the one-liner someone just lobbed at them, thinks about it, and then responds to it, not necessarily, like, defending or barbing back, but that there's ultimately, like, they're listening to each other and there's affection to that, and that's why that ends up being really effective. And same with Fisk. Fisk isn't just some, you know, baddie of the week on, you know, on a serialized TV show. He's got, he's got that... And we've talked way too much probably about this, but yeah, I, I, I just want to say I totally agree. And that, you know, you still feel like there's still parts of the Fisk story to be told. He's got right. that brutality in him that makes him so potentially dangerous and interesting. But also, you know, you know, like you say, every villain is still the hero of his own story. Yeah. And he's just his physicality is great, too. I love. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, Cox is also like he just he suits Daredevil well, uh, just physically. And mm-hmm. Fisk is huge. Uh, like, he kind of, you're right, in the comic books, he was basically a sphere. Not the case yes. in this one. But he's huge. He looks like he could do some serious damage to people. And in fact, we see him um, in episode nine. I oh, believe. God. When he fights yeah. Matt? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, Matt's already screwed up from, he got, he got ninja'd all over. But, uh, <laughs> and then he just, Wow, he just pounds on him, and it's totally believable. Yeah, Fisk it's, in the comics is more like a sideshow freak, and Fisk yeah. on, on the Netflix series is more like a pro wrestler, like powerful, yeah. not not yeah. just like big. He looks like a fat guy in the comics, and in this, you like 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 we said before, you know, he can move so well and so fast, and has so much. And really, he's got what well, in the D and D world we would call constitution. Like you can tell, you can just hit that guy all day long, and he'll still be fine. Yeah, well, Matt does. He wails on him a little bit, and he yeah. doesn't even bother trying to stop him. And then he just goes to town on him. Like, well, it's like super David and Goliath. I yeah. mean, it's just. I mean, that's. I mean, it's it's very reminiscent of like you know, well, like. But Matt doesn't know to just you know sling the sling the one slingshot. He he is a blunt blunt instrument, and it just doesn't work. And he's got to get smarter to get to him. Yeah. Now, does Plus, he Fog- was pretty stabbed and screwed up? Oh sure, is it? This is the one that Foggy learns that Matt is doing something that he is the vigilante. Am yeah, I he not? gets all, he gets all drunk, nine? shows up at his house, and oh, then yeah. takes a takes the mask off because Matt's lying on the floor, all stabbed and screwed up. Right, Which was pretty nine. huge. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's pretty huge for you know for Foggy then to to to, to kind of get this big. It's like wow, you really lied to me. About a lot of things, you were never really as blind as you said you were. Even though, I mean, for him to understand that is, you know, kind of a little bit beyond him. Yeah. Well, um, 
Foggy has been against, not against, but he's been saying bad stuff about the mind of the hood the the entire run of the show up up to this point. Uh, Karen has been defending him, understandably, because he saved her life. Uh, But Foggy was always kind of down on the the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So seeing this reveal is, uh, you know, it's kind of of a big change of pace, right? Because Matt is his... um, I don't know. It's, it's idol. I mean, he is Matt's. Like he idolizes Matt. Is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Uh, oh, for sure. I. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like they they both turned down that job at the law firm, uh, and Foggy did it basically because Matt did, and he mm-hmm. just followed him. You know. So it's right. this is a big, a big reveal. Most what what else happened in episode nine before we? I mean, again, yeah. we know this one. We got the we got the cold opening where he's fighting um, a ninja with really cool weapons, and yeah. and again another another great fight scene. And Matt's back on his yeah. heels. What else happens in that episode? Um, I just I just watched it last night and today, and I'm already forgetting oh. what else happens. Yeah, oh, we got, well, Mrs. No, Car- I mean, we got Mrs. Carnitas dying in this one. Oh yeah, yeah. exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. You're 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 you know your next door neighbor. <laughs> I don't know what that means when you say that. <laughs> because she can because in my mind when you when you when you first started laughing about that for whatever reason i can just see that when you leave your house oh. that you that you i could see there there there's merlin man uh-huh. just there's, waving there's mrs. To mrs. mrs cardenas just outside like baking me a spanish pie mexican exactly pie. <laughs> she 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 loves her merlin <laughs> <laughs> No, no, no. My my neighborhood's much more inscrutable than that. Beautiful pine furniture. But um, but uh, what else happens in that one? So um, but there's lots of other good plot stuff that happened. I didn't make many notes on this one. Lots of blood, lots of cutting. Oh, we get we do get more scenes with with the gladiator guy, right? In this one. Yes. And again, can we just give a shout out in all these episodes? The continuing awesomeness of Leland Owsley and like how how what a fun karma suck he is. Yeah. Just being such a smart ass with Fisk all the time. Well, yeah, I mean, it's like, it's almost like this matching of the minds. Like, in a sense, he really, I think, just it, it almost is in competition with the mind of, of, of Fisk. And it's like, I'm smart. I'm very smart. And I'm smarter than you. And I want, I somehow I've got to prove it to you every time. Like, everything you're doing is wrong and you're going to screw up. I have the numbers. The numbers tell me everything. Right. He's, he, I mean, I think. This becomes more interesting and important in the next few episodes, which I won't want to spoil um, for folks who are just up to nine. But um, but in, in retrospect now, I really see him, he's almost like a mean uncle in some ways to Fisk, where he's, he's constantly provoking him and, and jibing, jibing him about how things are going. But I mean, I guess all along I was thinking, God, Fisk is just going to punch the shit out of that guy. But then you realize, like, you're realizing more and more how important he must be to this scheme. And he's the one person who's sort of meeting offline with each of the players and kind of trying to, it's like a little game of diplomacy where he's working out all these separate (laughs) little deals with everybody. And, uh, I mean, he's he's such a great, such a great weasel. But no way is he a 46 long. No way. (laughs) He's he's a 42 short, maybe. Yeah. That's, yeah. the, The actor's great. I love his attitude. And you do get the sense that he's untouchable. Yeah. Right. Like, A, he, I mean, just. He's the guy that has the, the books. Yeah. Yes. Controlling the money. He's never afraid to remind 
Yeah, yeah never afraid to remind Fisk about that. That that you know. Oh, yeah. But you know, you know who, the bad, the the biggest badass is I think Gal. <coughs> she's scares the crap out of me. Yeah, and she yeah. and she's really she really is. She's the prime mover, and, if, and again, yeah. I don't completely understand exactly what's happening. I, I've tried to follow it, but I still don't quite exactly understand like what it is they're building. But it's clear that it's her drugs that are financing the whole operation. She yeah. this this operation is going to change substantially if she's not involved heavily. Well, just the way Fisk always always gives her respect. Mm-hmm. Oh, and the yeah. fact that she can just show up to his house. And, well, and she chastised him basically about Vanessa, yeah. and he felt bad about it. He it was flipped like, out. He, I mean, he flipped the table and then stood around. That's pretty day. strong. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. yeah. Like he, I, I, I don't know what her magic is, but she's a bit of a badass. That's mm-hmm. an and she's Chinese also not secret. from the comics, by the way. As far right. as I know, yeah, oh, she yeah. is not. She's completely a side character. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about what. Oh, this is a big episode in that. The the word devil, the devil of hell's kitchen is now getting spread around. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is where Matt has a little conversation with the priest about, you know, I'm out of options and I'm going to kill them, kill Fisk. I've got to kill somebody. And so that there's that. And here comes the the scales of justice. You know, is he is is what he's doing? Um, is it a death penalty type thing? And this, you know, this is a, a huge moment in in the character of Daredevil before he's even Daredevil. Right. Are you talking about uh, <laughs> one of my friends on Twitter made a crack? I I forget who, but somebody made a crack about you know from what I can gather, most Catholic priests spend a lot of their time sitting around alone in a <laughs> in a in a sanctuary giving inscrutable advice. <laughs> <laughs> it does seem like such a bit like in so many movies there's like the lone priest but i i like i like the priest a lot i love his relationship with matt isn't he in the first scene of the entire series doesn't it begin with matt in the confessional booth I, I is that how it starts so. i think that's I how think the whole so. show starts yeah <laughs> i think you're right but uh, well I, and uh, you know that, that uh a scene that could have gone way wrong the whole discussion about the devil i thought it was so great and Again, another character that could be totally a cardboard character, but that guy, he's a real thinking Catholic, a real thinking Christian, and yeah. very thoughtful and gives Matt a lot to chew on. Yeah, yeah it's funny. My, da- my daughter, Riley, uh, today, this is, you know, I, I, I unleashed my stack of, of comics on the table, you know, going through them feverishly. And she looks at me, she's like, is Daredevil, you know, th- now this is just looking at the comic covers. And she says, is Daredevil a bad guy? He's not he's not a good guy. I said, "Well, yeah, no, he is a good guy." She's like, "Well, I don't know, devil?" You know, and and so in her mind she she didn't see it as, you know, daredevil. She saw it as this guy in a red suit is the devil, you know, as a bad guy. I was like, you know, it's like you know, she's 9, so I'm I'm you know, I I didn't go to the Merlin Man school of of uh how to talk to your kids about comics. Well, I'm not a monster. I'm not going to show this to my I kid. did I, I but but you but you got you you were able to get your daughter into some thing you know into comics and things and i've never i've never even tried that with them and especially you know I, i've never shown them you know the show but i don't even know how i would explain daredevil to them exactly even just based on the comic if i if i just crack the comics open and have them look at them hmm 
Well, there's that, you know, one thing, uh, you guys are going to help me with this. What was the Frank Miller four or five, was it Man Without Fear? The four or five issue yeah. one that had the uh, origin story in it? Is that what it's called, Man Without Fear? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, I, I've got it. It's 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 up on uh, Marvel Unlimited. If you subscribe to that, you can read the whole, you know, it makes, basically makes like a really good graphic novel. And I think it's where a lot of stuff from this came from. Stick is in there. The origin story is in there, of course. But also that uh, distinctive outfit, Daredevil, or that Matt has before he has the red costume, I think comes straight Oh, out. really? Yeah, yeah. Well, he's wearing the pantyhose on his head. Yeah, that kind of thing. <laughs> it's more of a bandana in the in the comic. Yeah, how would you explain it? I mean, uh, Guy, I mean, you're a big Batman fan, right? Yeah, I also I don't have a child, though, so... <laughs> You're, you're still eligible to reckon. <laughs> I guess. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I was introduced to Daredevil around that time, you know, like six, seven kind of thing. Certainly when I, I used Spider-Man. I mean, I I don't know. I, I don't find – there was some dark Daredevil stuff. And Batman, there was a lot of – you know, during the 60s and a lot of the 70s, it was pretty bright. Right up until the eighties, uh, right. And there's there is one very famous frame uh, panel of uh, a daredevil involving Bullseye and Elektra that yeah. is still um, seared into my mind. Yeah, yeah, it's seared. It, it's out. It's one of the most um, provocative, um, horrifying, sad, and memorable images I've ever seen in a comic. Um, and that was yeah. Klaus Janssen. Was he doing? Yeah. Now, was Frank Miller drawing it at that point? Well, Klaus Janssen was drawing it at that point, right? I believe it was Klaus Janssen that was drawing it, yeah. Those, yeah. those pages, man, it reminds me almost of uh, the Steranko stuff, or, you know, just those, I love those kinds of comic artists and writers that can just go, you know, panels and pages with just just a minimum of, the right amount of dialogue, but really make it about the layout of the pages and what's happening on the page. You know, yeah. I think it start, like probably visual, started. In, there's a visual beat to it, right? Like a, maybe, yeah, maybe this started with Jack Kirby in some ways, but that ability yeah. to take this very static medium and make it feel like something. You know, point out to my daughter, like when you know, trying to teach her like some of the old stuff, and go like, you notice in these in the Jack Kirby ones, like I think I don't know if he pioneered this, but it's obvious that anytime Jack Kirby, they're always in motion. There's always something happening. If you go and read an old Batman, they're really fun, and he might run a little bit, but you, but like the Hulk is always in the middle of punching something like in your direction. There's this kinetic feeling that's always driving it forward. And I think the Daredevil, the Frank Miller run, really captures that. They're they're <clears throat> so kinetic, you know. And it, it's funny because I was I was talking about this to my son because I was he was like, "Well, do you remember all the stories?" I like I said, "Not really," because I was based, you know, my 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 focus was the art first. And I think what drew me to Daredevil was his, this acrobatics. And when you look at every, you know, in those pages, even the older ones before Miller, they were, they had these, you know, really elongated, you know, um, acrobatic looks to them that it was very much like Spider-Man, you know, the Mm -hmm. Spider-Man, you know, it's, it's really coming at you. It's, it's hyper, you know, elongated, but not in a distorted way, but you can feel like this absolute this ability to to be the man without to leap off a building and do a tuck roll and use your you know whip and kind of you know just kind of going across all these places mm-hmm. i think yeah. of him when i think of daredevil back in the day i think of the guy with the little red weird cane with the little cable thing on it and in the mark oh forgive me i don't know the name of the artist but in the mark wade run they're really good at this too i always think of daredevil as you're looking up a building like with spider-man you're always seeing him like jumping from building to building 
And they're so great at showing the motion of him. Like in the Frank Miller run, they do this really well. And in fact, in one scene, which I think is currently the header of my Tumblr site, you can see that, you know how you do the effect of in the background, he's moving, you see him moving closer and closer right? By repeating the figure. And you can see his uniform updating <laughs> over the years as he gets closer in this jump off of a building. Like a great effect. And, and you know, I think that, that, does, that does carry through with the show. And yet, I, I stand by what I said before, which is, you know, setting aside the fact that this is really gruesome, and there are a lot of the time, and there are 13 episodes. This is the kind of thing I would feel very confident showing to somebody who doesn't think of themselves as being into comic books. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not going um, to say it's The Wire, but like if you enjoyed The Wire and and you and you enjoy if you do enjoy comic books, like I think this is a no brainer. Yeah, I I totally agree. And in, in some ways, uh, just to go back to what you're saying about um, the kinetics on the page, uh, yeah, I kind of feel that comic books get a bit of a short shrift in that they've been trapped by telling superhero stories, so that they're easily dismissed. Um. Mm-hmm. It's it's a form that has so much potential. It's it's amazing. Um, so it's a little bit depressing when, I mean, these days comics are big business, or you know, at least with the movies and all that. But the actual form of sequential images on a page, uh, I I think it's brilliant, and I've seen so many examples of amazing things done with it that I don't think you could see in any other medium. Um, Merlin, I'm sure you'll agree with this. Uh, the pizza dog episode of or issue of Hawkeye. You could not do that. Any, I don't think you could do that. You could do that maybe with multimedia, maybe. but it's it to decode what's happening in pizza is my business is is such a delight. Yeah, you, yeah, it's, it's brilliant. It's it's fits the form so perfectly. It's crazy. I remember. I mean, I'm not a great student of comics, but I remember reading that uh, that Scott McCloud book um understanding comics is that what it's called mm-hmm. but like yep. he he does such a nice job and again using the comic format of of explaining something that seems so obvious until you really think about it and just how brilliant it is to have three panels across a page that show you three different things and your brain fills in what's in between absolutely and, and like that sounds so obvious anybody who likes comics knows that but if you really think about that you start with these little atoms and molecules you start with things like you know, this particular pencil drawing, and then that expands into this this panel and how it's colored. And then you think about like what it means, how you choose your, how you choose the kinds of panels and layouts that you do. When do you do a splash page? When do you do a big spread? Do you do the nine panel thing like uh, Dave Gibbons did and Watchmen? Like how right. do you how do you do this again? Go back to Steranko. Guy was nutty balls with what he was doing in in those in those panels. Even in a very strict grid kind of panel, you go back and read those old uh, Nick Fury comics, and they're they're masterful. That I mean, mm-hmm. supposedly the story goes that like, do you ever hear that that like they were going to reject? Uh, I think it was one of the first few issues of Nick Fury because there wasn't enough dialogue in it. It was told completely in images, and then the compression of what happened between these two images. Oh, see, that's see, that's awesome. and and it, it it lends itself to the storyboard for filmmakers. And I think for me, that's that was like a big galvanizing um, thing in my head of of saying. How does I can fill in these gaps, and in in my head, I can I I visualize what's happening, and it's really becomes a shot list. And you you just sent up this this picture that I, I hadn't thought about in a long time, which is when Bullseye is basically disemboweling uh, Electra, and there is so much weight and strength and 
you know, but limpness in that picture. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'm gonna I'm use it as the as the the cornerstone of the uh, of the episode. Um, oh, but, spoiler! <laughs> That's gonna be well, a big spoiler for people who haven't read it. But but I'm just gonna well I'm, what I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna put that as as the MP3 artwork. So they have to have something that they'll they can see it through that. That but image I mean, is so iconic that I. It's like the cover of Spider-Man 300 type of thing. Like you've, if you are but, interested in comics, you've seen this image, I believe. Yeah, it's up. It's up there with like No More Mutants and right. Peter throwing his disguise. Are you talking about the one where he's getting smashed in the water thingy? Is that the one? No, uh, you're about 300 is like that. it's um, Todd McFarlane. He's just swinging through the. Oh, city. with the big with his new big eyes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and right. then the fancy webs and all that. It's McFarlane started in 298, so it's like the okay. Anyway, yeah, I think of also you've that seen the it. one. Like, you'll know which one. It oh is. no, absolutely! And yeah. I'm thinking of the one that's in the first year or so, first couple of years, where oh, Spider Man No More, where he's like, where he's uh, holding up the holding up the uh, like a dam. Oh, you remember that? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I know that. It's one, one of the iconic, yeah. but yeah, or Superman smashing a car. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like the, exactly. Yeah. Now I'm sitting here. I've fallen down the rat hole of looking up Jim Steranko's uh, Nick Fury, Agent of Shield. Oh man, that's that's not a bad hole. You've, that stuff is it's uh, so that guy was so ahead of his time. It's so psychedelic. Wow. So anyway, yeah, comics are cool. So we, we, we got, we got, <laughs> yeah, we totally went off into the weeds there. Anyway, um, what else happens in uh, in nine? Speak of the devil. So we've got him talking to the priest. We've got uh, much more, many more machinations. Again, a nice a nice bit of storytelling where you've got. Um, You've got opening with uh, the ninja attack, the unknown, the attack of the unknown ninja, and then we cut back <laughs> the to the story, ninja. and then, of yeah. course, we come back, and we find that Fisk has just, has pulled off such an amazing, improbable series of, like, traps within a trap, right? If you think about what he had to yeah. do to get Matt to end up in that place, right? Because he had to get, yeah. Mrs. Carnitas had to get killed by the junkie, Matt had to go find the junkie, and then once he's found the junkie, the junkie's the one that's going to leave, he knew that uh that he would brace the guy <laughs> probably a pushover anyway he braces the junkie the junkie tells him where uh fisk's place is and so th- and you know what i'm yeah. saying like there's a lot of a lot yeah. of a lot of angles what, to that. what i like about this kind of cockamamie uh plan is that fisk is banking on the fact that the man in the mask is good and effective and will be able to follow and, this and emotional and emotional and emo- yeah like it's it's kind of awesome because it, it's it shows a lot of respect, right? That he knows he's going to track down this guy that killed the lady, and he knows that the guy's going to fold and 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 eventually end up at this warehouse. Mm-hmm. It's great. I like it. And, nice- it, well, and it, sh- it shows the calculated, like, uh, just the calculation that that Fisk can put together. He can he can he sizes up his his enemy and says, "Okay, I know how to deal with this." But, yeah, but he but, doesn't. But he doesn't. It's it's respectful in that he appreciates the capabilities of. Well, he doesn't know it's Matt, but 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 he appreciates that he will be able to jump through these hoops and and land at this uh, warehouse. Yeah. It's interesting. The, the 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 respect thing is obviously like kind of a repeating element, yeah. right? You, where you get the thing of you know his dad Herc tells him uh, you got to show respect to get respect. Madame Gal talks about the fact that she's paying this courtesy call because he had shown her 
respect. We talk about you, know, you got the Nobu, Nobu the Ninja, as we discover, yeah. is uh, <laughs> available at a Toys R Us near you. Um, <laughs> Nobu the Ninja is is being deferential and respectful toward yep. uh, toward Matt in some ways. Yeah, and then also, I mean, there's the I think a very interesting uh, exchange. I don't I think it was in nine. Uh, was the exchange when he goes to Vanessa's art gallery? Yep, I thought yeah, I like I like that scene a lot. I loved it. Yep. Uh, I I like that he just opens with a quip of like you're probably wondering why a blind man is here to buy some paintings. Uh, and they just they go they have they have a like a pretty natural kind of conversation. Well, and um, it, yeah, and it, or wait, are you talking about at the end, or are you talking about in the gallery? In the gallery. Yeah, because Matt, Matt decides he's going to go out and get some intelligence on yeah. who this woman in the photo is that he was dumb enough to have on stage. Discovers yeah. she's the art gallery lady. He goes there, and of course, then he can sense that there's lots of heavy security guys there. And then the man himself shows up. Yeah, and Matt first, makes a first fist. time they met, and uh, yeah. he he makes a fist, and he gets all angry, 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 Matt, angry Matt. Yeah, um, but it's a pretty good conversation, and they. He's cordial. I mean, they're all cordial because, of course, like Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker in Empire, <laughs> in, in, uh, in Return of the Jedi. It's like, well, you know. Let me check out your lightsaber. Ooh, that's pretty nice. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But I am going to light it up right in front of you, Al. I'm going to show it to you. Yeah, but he's not going <laughs> to stab him with it. That's right. Go- it's, it's gauche, you know? Right. Yeah. But I could kill you if I wanted to, but it's not going to go, it's not going to play out in this way and not in front of her. Right. He hates sand. Well, <laughs> just stop. Oh God, we're gonna go, so we're, man. We're gonna look at the man. You're not I, like now. Sand. I just want to talk about Star Wars all the time. But anyway, <laughs> sand is rough. It really is. It gets everywhere. It gets a. It gets sand in your bathing suit. Not like you. And and people You're like a bathing suit without sand. Yeah, pe- <laughs> but people made of sand need to be mm-hmm. killed. Killed right, without travel single file to uh, hide their numbers. numbers. Yeah. But, anyway, Daredevil's a really good show. Okay. And then, then yeah. you get then you get the big ending. They beat the tar out of each other. They're they're just kicking each other's butts. Also, just in passing, uh again, a couple more things we pick up about Matt. Did you get when he sneaks into uh the Nobu Nobu headquarters that he's he's running his hands over the um over the paper, like for the plan? Yeah. So you get yes. the sense like is he it's feeling, like he's feeling the, the ink? ink? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, we just jinx. Um <laughs> I don't know. That's what I thought. That's kind of weird. Maybe he is. Yeah. There's probably it's, it's an extremely detailed how... illustration explaining why in a, in a comic book somewhere. Yeah. It's unclear how uh, capable he is of sensing his environment, right? You know what I like, though, and, um, Guy? I like the way that—I think they cover up a lot of that or, or you know, kind of paper over a lot of that by saying, yeah, you know what? Daredevil or uh, Matt is capable— of doing some amazing stuff, maybe stuff that would even surprise him, but it takes a huge amount of concentration right. in one direction. So, like <laughs> the uh, the stun gun that Owsley got out of storage, apparently. Like, I think normally Matt would never have been hit by a stun gun. It's just that he'd been diverted by focusing focusing a huge amount of his powers on listening for the tapping cane. You know that, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I, but I, I like the idea that, that he is limited. Owsley, like. <laughs> <laughs> got, got the drop on him. Yeah, it's like really, but yeah, whatever. right. He can yeah. he can hear a gun across in a in a coat across an art gallery, but he didn't notice a stun gun coming at him. Yeah, 
Yeah. But whatever. And, you know, I chalked it up to like a little bit of convenient writing. Like they needed them to have a showdown with Owlsley and they needed him to get away. They needed him to look bad in front of Stick. Well, exactly. So, and and, and, yeah, and let's just but, let's just let's just be honest now. When if Stick is using his stick, that's pretty and you know and and offbeat um, taps. I mean, it's going to be distracting for anyone. I, I bet. I bet. I wouldn't be surprised at all if in the Daredevil universe you could make a case that you know things like somebody's heartbeat. It isn't just that it is fast or slow. I think it's a much his his hearing and stuff is a much finer instrument than that. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he could recognize a certain heartbeat of a person. And in the same way as knowing, like remembering, oh my God, I know the sound of that tapping. Have it being very distinctive, like a fingerprint almost. And where he would go, I "I recognize that tapping. I totally believe that. Well, because with Black Sky, he knows it's a child. That See, and you just brought up a a huge, huge couple things right there. Because in the Born Again um, series, you know, he, it's, it's told without telling that the the nun is his mother, you know, because he he listens to her heartbeat and she lied to him. Now in the stick episode, which we didn't touch on until just you know until I just locked this together, um, he asks about his Matt's mother. mom, and she says, "Well, that's for another story," which was so awesome because you, know, you can well, say well, like you're saying that nun is his mom in Born Again. Yes, well, I mean it's not clearly Whoa. it's not clearly stated, but there, there is that one, the, a beautiful page of of him going through uh, and talking to her, and he said, "Are you my mom?" And he says, "Oh, you know, of course, no, of course not." And you know, he has a little thought bubble that says, "You know, you learn a lot from people when you know you can tell when people are lying with their heartbeat." And it, you know, it was just, it was very, you know, kind of touching. Oh, yeah, of course not, child. Exactly, you're Whoa. seeing it. Tell the me that can tell you a lot. Hers just jumped. She's lying. Yeah, that's a beautiful page. Beautiful. Yeah. Klaus Jansen, that guy was a pimp. Mm-hmm. Wait, was his his he left us? <laughs> well, it, it, well, I, 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 you know, he might still be around. Okay, let's find out. Let's go. Let's let's look at the internet together. All right, <laughs> go find out. I, I wish I wish Sankovich was still doing some Daredevil. Oh man, that guy that, is a monster. Yeah, he's he's amazing. He's incredible. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I could see being a gifted comic artist for 20 years and praying that one day you could make something that looks like one of his Electra pages. Exactly. It's, 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 they're, they're like, it's just a, it's a gorgeous painting. Klaus is still with us. He's 63. 63, Coburg, Germany. Yeah. And then, improbably, um, the masked man gets away. He jumps through a window and then bleeds profusely into a body of water. Yeah. Before making it back to his house and meeting his drunk friend, uh, Senor Foggy. Well, he, Senor. So he gets stabbed by that crazy ninja thing. Yeah. That, that, it seems like a pretty effective weapon. Uh, and then drags oh, across the floor. Yeah. Oh. oh, yeah. That's really got to hurt. I think that's, what, what do they call that? Like a shug? Back in my, you know, ninja days when you'd put up, you know. Your ninja stars, yeah. your ninja stars in your fanny pack, you know, and you'd go out in the woods and throw I never, them I never had that phase. I wasn't, I'm not familiar with what you You mean. were never a ninja? Okay. Yes, of course I was a ninja. All right. <laughs> Just making sure. I, I, I had rubber chucks and wore a t-shirt over my head. Of course I did. <laughs> I'm not a monster. I always rubber wanted, chucks. I always, I never had those. I always, but I always like tried to get my dad. I was like, dad, can you get me the, 
like to climb a tree, like the you know you know you know what I'm talking about the, the grappling the hook. Hook, grappling hook, not grappling hook, the, the bear claw thing. Yes, the, the bear yeah. claws. Oh, yes, but he was like, no, son, that's just not going to happen. You know, because in my mind, I'm going up a 30 foot tree. That it's just going to happen. <laughs> I could, I could have gotten so much more done with just a little bit more in, in my tool set. You know, right? Can you imagine? You could you could have gotten so much accomplished. Small well, I remember. I, do you remember? Yeah, do you remember? Like like, did you have like uh like you'd have your loadout. Like where I, you'd have, where you'd well, have I remember like, making ninja stars out of paper with a penny in the middle. Ooh, oh wait. yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those I, are pretty I, easy. You just yeah yeah. It was kind of like a paper airplane kind of fold and you lock them together. I remember making those type thing. Yeah yeah. I always had more respect for those than I did when the guys were playing paper football. I was like, mm, that's that's a game, but here's a real man's game. <laughs> playing ninja. the the, de- the deadliest game. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. I'm and like, then, um, so know. what else happens at this point? We've got I, that's that's now, well, I'm, I'm now Foggy's going to nurse him. That's what I'm doing. Um, so there, yeah, Foggy. I don't know what what does Foggy do in this one? Doesn't uh, it? I'm trying to remember how it ends, but I think it's when the beginning of uh, as it gets picked up in the next episode, um, Foggy's kind of uh, taking care of him. Yeah, but also that's this is where he you know is like you know you're a liar you. Right. Yeah, and, and you get that that not to go too far, but you know, you, you've you've really betrayed me. Everything that I know is wrong, and that's that's a huge shift. And see, and it kind of makes sense with this arc. This is kind of getting to our, I don't know, is it our Empire Strikes Back? Is it our our Dark Day? Our hero is is literally kind of beat down, and I had a had a you know a shug put in him and, and dragged around him. He's probably at his most beat up. Yep, I think it's up there. And 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 to come back from that, you know, you've it's he's going to have to get on the mend. I thought these three were 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 pretty great. I I think it's where the show again kind of kind of took a little turn into a into a I don't know. I mean, I I feel so dumb because I feel like I'm saying I didn't like the early episodes and I really do. But I think this is where you where where it really feels uh impossibly better than it should be. It's starting around right. seven and eight, and then uh, and then I mean it just it just it just keeps on going. I uh, I don't know. It's it's I think it's great from the first frame, but like it's definitely worth sticking with it because uh, the story keeps getting richer, the characters keep getting more interesting, and as we learn more and more about them and what motivates them and why they're how they are, Jesus, we haven't even gotten up to Fisk's mom. Like that's still to come. Like oh, there's still so yeah. much story to be told in this, and we're. What are there four episodes left at this point, right? Yeah, and there and there are stories that are going on on the sidelines, and they handle it in such a way. It's like, yes, this is going on, but it, it's not. We it's haven't not, forgotten about this. This is still going on. All yeah. the stuff with Ben and all the stuff, you know, where uh, Karen's working on the side with Ben, trying to make this stuff happen. There's still a lot of story to be told. It's amazing how much they they fit into this series. And, and, and it's amazing to me that like, how is it that like there are like you know it's different writers, whatnot, I it's skill levels. But like even Agents of Shield, I mean, it's like I, I try to watch that show, but it feels like you know this feels awful to me. It just feels like like this is why people don't like anything dealing with funny books. <laughs> I had a funny experience. Um, this is the, the most like stereotypical, annoying Merlin Man example of this. But um, <laughs> but I I used to watch Law and Order like compulsively i love law and order i loved especially uh chris noth and uh 
and uh, Jerry Orbach. I loved, I, you know, I, I loved them all. But I mean, I would watch that show when I was doing my little web design, sitting around the house. I would watch it on A and E like three times a day. It ran like three or four times a day, and I would catch mo- I would catch the one at three wow. in the morning. I, I, I love. I, I, I thought it was that great. seems that surprises me. Like I've but you know, it was comfort food. That, in some that, ways, it was, it was. It was well, I was in my twenties, and it was comfort food in some <laughs> okay. ways. Sure, but it's just sure. in the service of saying, like, I watched that. <sighs> Ironically enough, I watched CSI featuring Wilson Fisk, and mm-hmm. we called him Angle Guy because he was always turning his head and kind sure, of, <laughs> sure, like, sure, doing his doing his kind of um, slightly aspy Columbo thing. Um, in SVU, and we finally got to where something happened when my wife was pregnant. That we just couldn't watch SVU anymore. It was where we were like, you know what? This show, and I'm, I'm not trying to be on a soapbox here, just personally, like watching that show is like, this show is basically, it's a, it's a kind of sterilized porn, violence yeah, it's porn. Like, it's yeah, basically, there's, a, it's, there's it's, a lot of murder TV out there. That, well, and, and it's especially that particular show being mm-hmm. so much about sex crimes. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. was yeah, about yeah. the most, and kids was like the most vulnerable people um, being utterly destroyed every episode. Right around the time we started watching The Wire. And then, again, now when my wife's pregnant, we're watching The Wire. We watched it over and over. We watched, I've, I've, I've probably exaggerated this with memory, but at least twice, we watched the first four seasons. Like, mm-hmm. all the way through. And yeah, you, we, you we would right watch to skip the last one, by the way. Well, we did well, watch that once. I know. But, yeah. but it's good. I mean, it's better than 90% oh, of everything else. Yeah, yeah. But we made it through. The point is, though, that, like, we were woofing down. This is one of our earliest binge watches, probably, was watching. I think we got it on. Do we have it? I think we just had it on the, on the TiVo. But in any case, we were watching this, like, three to five episodes a day at one point. Because there's not that much else you can do when you got a yeah. big pregnant lady who is in pain and you know, wouldn't have a baby. What funny part was though, after, after going through that with the wire, it was so difficult to watch law and order, any law and order again, because yeah. all you saw was the strings. All you saw was the sets. All you saw was the, okay, it's 28 minutes after the hour. It's time for us to see which formerly uh, well-known celebrity is obviously the murderer. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> time for the order to start. Right. <laughs> or the law, I guess. But, and it's just, it is, it is funny how like, and, and I don't want to take anything away. I like lots of silly popcorn movie stuff. I, I do think the flash is great. I am not as, I haven't watched era like, like you guys have. I think there's a, so much great stuff for everybody out there, but I, you know, I don't know, even watching this two or th- some of these episodes two or three times, I still feel like it's really smart. And I feel, still feel like it really rewards your attention, which yeah. is not something you can say for that many TV shows. I t- totally agree. I think that it's a rare treat. Um, I, so I do watch Arrow and I watch The Flash. I I think that The Flash is probably the most authentic comic book experience that you can have on TV. Oh, it's kind of yeah, in the sweet, yeah. It's kind of in the yeah. sweet spot. It in is. The, in that it's very much a comic book. Uh, Arrow's kind of darker, a little mm-hmm. bit moodier. Uh, this, even more so. Uh, but The Flash just seems like that's just a good-natured comic book. Yeah. Kick, kicking around, and it's great. Um, but, and as much as I like Arrow, but Daredevil, this show is, um, it's, it's better than it should be. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I do. And it's not, it's not, it's not a comic book show. It, no, it is. Yeah, there's nobody in it that has, well, I'm trying to think now. I don't want to speak too soon, but it, it's. You know, along the lines of Watchmen, there's only one really super-powered character in Watchmen. It's mostly people just who are good at fighting and want to stop crime yeah, yeah. and have it's, lots of it's, emotional it's only problems. only Captain, uh, Captain Manhattan. Uh, Dr. Manhattan yeah. is. He's Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. 
But, you know, but in this case, I don't, I mean, obviously, it, yeah, it's exaggerated, like a Bruce Lee movie or something. Like, sure. there's no way somebody could take these kinds of poundings. But but it really is. It's funny. Like, my wife has always said, like, I have so much trouble, me personally, watching The Walking Dead. Because yeah. every season, it, it's a really good show. But every season, the effects become more real. Like, I went back and watched the first episode, and I was like, oh, it was still gory, but it wasn't realistic gory. Oh yeah, like when when they were doing the pipe, the the ba- baseball bat hitting at the what was that place called? Uh, at the prison? Uh, no, uh, ter- a terminus, and oh, they were slitting yeah. people's throats. I th- this past season, it has gotten like you're like, oh really? It can get more real. It can get more like a like a disgusting <laughs> like real zombies, and somehow it has. But she made the case to me, you know, that a lot of people have made, which is yeah, it, it's a show about zombies, but zombies are. Not not exactly a MacGuffin, but it's not about zombies. It's about how people respond to zombies, right? Yeah. right? And and like so many of the I mean, human condition, the environmental disaster that's going on, and but it's it's how yeah. all these people right. become twisted in trying to survive in that environment. In this case, you know, you think about like another incomparable recent incomparable podcast I really like talking about um, Kingdom Come and Marvels. Yep. Like in both cases, those are kind of about how normal people or what it's like to live in, a, especially Marvels, what it's like to live in a world with superheroes. And in this case, yeah, there's the superhero comic book element, but I, I mean, again, I don't want to spoil it, but I still, I love that we're up to episode, through episode nine, we have still not seen the funny, shiny red suit. It's still yeah. a lawyer who is easily, not easily, but who can be extremely hurt and who will, his injuries will affect how his life goes over the next days and weeks. I it's think that was, realistic. yeah, I think right there, what you just said is, is, is the biggest factor in why the show works is that they did not come right out and say look here's the suit boom let's go and it was like look this is a story this is a story about characters first and foremost and at the end we you can we're we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and and release the kraken right and and there's little again little dribs and drabs and something that you would have to be a really smart showrunner to do what what these folks are doing with dropping these hints the whole idea of like Fisk staring at a white wall, like why 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 is he doing that? Why does he want this weird painting? Well, that becomes important, and then you have an aha moment. moment and I'm just going to say there's still more aha moments to come if mm-hmm. later on. Other other things like okay, so he's um, Matt's figuring out that he can be pretty effective using these little sticks. He's figuring that out um, completely independently from that. He discovers Wilson Fisk has a suit made of some kind of interesting material, right? He's realizing right. that he's got to protect himself from injuries, but it's all part of the story. It, it isn't, it, we don't have one of those Marvin Barry kind of moments here. Like it is all actually part of the story. There's no Deus ex, ex machina to how any of this has happened so far. And we so, haven't seen any of the real acrobatics, just a little bit of the kind of, what's it called? It, jumping around parkour. on buildings. Parkour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, but, but, you know, that doesn't even, hasn't even really been seen yet. You know, that was one of the things that I really was hoping for. And, um, you know, it pays off, but you're not going to see it on, you know, for a little bit, a little bit longer. I will say that, uh, the way Matt fights seems to be very energy expensive. <laughs> like he's jumping around and flipping. And he jumps a lot. People. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's great to look at, but it's. That's got to be tiring, dude. I don't know, but that whole when he does that flip and then he, you know, he does that like back kick where he kind of just comes down on you with yeah. with his foot. Good yeah. gosh, that just that's like a like American History X moment. You just uh, you know <laughs> oh, you know teeth yeah. you know teeth are popping out. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like his, his ability fight with the Nobu. Sorry, go. No, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. 
No, I just like his fight with Merlin. Uh, Merlin. <laughs> wow. Uh, with uh, Nobu. Is that his name? Nobu? Nobu. Nobu the I, ninja. Nobu the ninja. Yeah. A, I kind of like that we revealed, or that they revealed that Nobu was a ninja the whole time. Little did you know, he kicks Yeah, ass. turns out. Yeah, turns out. But uh, you know, like when you're reading X-Men comics and like, you know, you, uh, you start to really look forward to when um, Wolverine turns to Colossus and you know what he's going to say. He yeah, says, yeah, what do you think? Yeah, yeah. You ready? Fast he goes, words, let's yeah. do it. Fastball special. And like, if, the thing is, if they did that every issue, it would become really tiresome. Right. But still, and now I've seen fastball specials in Lumberjanes now. I, I've seen it as an homage in lots of different places where Colossus just <laughs> throws, just throws kind of an Incredibles. Incredibles is kind of has a fastball special in it. Yeah, it does. Where, yep. where Colossus he? just, yeah, when he throws, uh, throws uh, Jack-Jack up at Syndrome's oh, yeah. uh, plane. Nice. Um, but, yeah. but, but, but that's so fun because you look forward to it. And it's a funny streak. And like when that happens in Astonishing X-Men, you're just like, yes, it's back. And this is so great. You wouldn't want to see it all the time. I feel like I'm like that with Matt and his ability, like his uncanny, completely unrealistic, but completely rewarding ability to utilize his environment and to bounce things off of other things. I never get sick of that. Like when no. he can just, uh, no. it's yeah. so fun to me when he, even in the first episode, when he's, when he's fighting the bad guys and sandwich guy and he his ability to just throw a stick at something <laughs> like the <laughs> poor sandwich, sandwich guy. guy. I, he didn't even do anything. I don't know. He why. sits there and reads. My wife is like, is that guy in the same show? Like, what is he doing? Why is he just sitting there reading? I, I, like, I don't oh. know why you'd have to take him out. He's just <laughs> hanging out. <laughs> but it, it, and that's how he wins sometimes is he's yeah. able to utilize. I think the thing that we all find ourselves saying sometimes is why does Matt not immediately put the lights out wherever he is. First thing I would do anywhere is is oh, little yeah. sticks at every single sure. light. Absolutely. I guess that, but but just the ability to, to like utilize the environment like the way he does with Nobu the ninja, like with getting him lit up. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> but the, I think well, that's a very rewarding way to show that he's got a power that you and I don't have that goes beyond sight. Which so is did, he, did he decide to kill him? Are we Cuz I mean how did the well, flaming he, part? Get? I'm well, trying to so remember. Was it a spill? His, he, he throws his stick at the lamp at the at the light to do your move of take it out of the lights, uh, and then the sparks and the sparks light him on fire because he got gasoline all over him. Yeah, that was a little bit MacGuffin-y. That was that was that it's was a little funny. Bit Deus Ex Machina there, but I mean, yeah. did he mean to kill him? Also, the hilarious thing is Nobu, the ninja. Throws away his little knife on a, on, a, on a rope, and then, while on fire, tries to kick Matt. <laughs> like, he just goes at him and starts kicking at him, which I probably I would have stopped, dropped, and rolled. But you know. <laughs> well, he was I'm using no ninja. ninja skills. Yeah, well, he was using his ninja abilities that we read in the books that you can control fire and your breathing and keep fighting through it. Mm. But he didn't realize that the you know sometimes sometimes you can be a little too on fire. Uh, he was very much on fire. Yeah. Anyway, poor Nobu, 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 Nobu the ninja, Nobu the ninja. Yeah. Oh well. Um. But yeah. So did Matt kill him? Because that's technically yes, but it didn't seem to be an absolute. Well, no. Wait a minute. In a way, he did because he knew. When he when he hit that, that it was going to spark it up. Yeah, I I mean I I, I feel like he must have he must have known. Yeah. Maybe he's not going to kill Fisk, but he's going to get his his you know 
he's going to kill somebody. He, you know, it's like yeah, like I really want to kill Fisk, but you know, in this case, it's a it's a life and death situation. Oh, yeah, well, well, he knows he's. I mean, he's getting his ass kicked. He's he's. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only way he's going to stay alive, right? Yeah. yeah, he's overmatched. Yeah, which is cool, by the way. I really, yeah, I, yeah, I, I like that about that show. In it is that he's often overmatched. Man, that hallway. Can we talk about that hallway fight? Uh, every episode, we should talk just, about that. It's just amazing. The microwave right, has, man. Has anyone seen like? Anything in like on the internets about how they shot that? Because I'm still convinced that it was one camera, one take, Lucy. But I cannot, for the life of me, see how they did it. Because that the the doorway at the at the bottom, they would have had to walk over. So the camera's got to be hanging. I think it's three shots. Really? You do? I do. Well, if you were going to show off that that was one shot, why would you include? the point where a door closing makes you fade to black oh does it maybe i missed because remember the, the first time when he's when they look in the room when, yeah. when we when the camera sees in the first room and then the door closes it fades to black oh. so i'm just saying if i were gonna try and present that as one shot uh and i mean the thing is as with any of these famous one shot things what do they call them oneers or whatever or like you know children of men or any of those like it's it needs to feel like one shot even if it's not and i think it definitely feels like one shot it still works for me even if it was i mean that's how movies get made they do tricky things like edit that's what they do yeah. but did you do you think it was one shot i that uh, seems i don't know no, well, no, i got i got to i got to rewatch it because some people I, say yes some people say no it, well if it, it fades it, to black uh yeah that's a good that's a good indication that, that right. that's a terrific place to put a cut yeah, maybe i missed it i don't, I don't know maybe, yeah. or if anybody gets too close to the camera definitely that's going to be a cut point right but i mean even just you know just what happens in a given single shot of him in the hallway you know again it reminds me of have you guys seen children of men did you ever see yeah. that yes yeah, yeah. gosh long, I, like they're driving away in the car there's the car one and there's also oh, the one at the, the end where they're, they're trying to get through the, the, yeah. through the uh, hotel or whatever um but uh, but uh, what was my point? It it's it does lend such such a sense of sense of urgency. We should talk about this every episode, like because you can <laughs> see how plainly exhausted the poor guy is. He's obviously he's taking little mini breaks, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Totally, yeah, yeah. But even then, he's still like kind of uh, he's kind of like grudgingly bouncing off the wall and kicking somebody's ass. <laughs> yeah. Very yeah. very effective. I I loved it. That's that's what makes a hero really is that he's at the end of his rope but he keeps going right and so oh that, absolutely that, that yeah, sells yeah. him as as a hero that's why um dark knight returns is cool because old man bruce wayne right like yeah oh, oh no absolutely yeah yeah he's, yeah he's outmatched and he's tired and he's like you can't climb a rope he's got to use his legs and he's all bitter about it that's what's and cool about and, it and he's looking looking at that guy the the leader and he's just like he has everything that i've once had oh when he's battling oh, and he, yeah like, toward he the gets early middle part by the, yeah by the, the that big group of badass guys yeah the punk guy yeah. they're, they're like they're like uh, he fights him smarter which I but love they're kind of like too. aim aren't they kind of like aim they're a bunch of like uh guys in suits or was it a gang of some kind that he was it fighting? was it was a gang it was it was they were like it, they eventually end up having the bat symbol on their face but they're like these punks. They're, in fact, I think that's what they're called, punks or something like that. <laughs> I forget. I forget. It's not punks, but it's like, it's of the 80s, right? So that's sure. the notion, sure. you know. But yeah, he gets demolished by the guy. 
and he's got. I, mean, like, it, it, I think he like breaks. His, he didn't break his back, but he 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 puts him down pretty darn hard. Oh yeah, yeah. he gets taken out by. Um, I think Robin comes and saves him. Like, yeah, he's he's beaten. We are just talking about everything. As it comes we haven't out. even mentioned Hawkeye that much because Hawkeye's another one. He gets his ass kicked all the time, and it's part of what makes yeah. it fun. Part of yeah. what makes Hawkeye fun is like, where will Hawkeye have bandages this time? Yes. Yeah, oh, man. We could talk about Hawkeye forever. No, I could talk about Hawkeye. We could talk about Deadpool because now that character I didn't know anything about. And anybody in a red costume back in the day and, and later, I immediately said, you're trying to be Daredevil. And it, it didn't uh, matter if you were or not. But Dare, like, Deadpool is a lot of fun. Oh yeah, my when people god! I Deadpool, have to admit, I do not care about Deadpool even a little bit. Really? Sometimes when he's written, when he's written well, like, did you read Uncanny X Force? No, I haven't. So um, I'm also the, coming mainly, at it from like, it's it's a little cute. Bias, it's a little. You know I, mean? I mean, it's a Rob Liefeld joint, so there's going to yeah, be some right, some right. issues. And like the intercourse, he has those. He looks like. Uh, like fried frog legs. I mean, he's got that weird Rob Liefeld look at first. I think Rob oh. Liefeld invented him, right? Yeah. yeah and Cable. Liefeld, can I just say, <sighs> Could you he do was a whole series on him. Okay. Well, you yeah. talk about these guys, Jansen, Miller, Sankovic, and then you have Liefeld, who draws these little ankles and cargo he, pants that make no feet. sense. He, he cannot draw, draw feet. feet. <laughs> nope. It's clearly evident that he has no concept of how the anatomy works. Yeah. I I got a beef for that guy. That's yeah. when I got out of comics. Ex- exactly. I was like that. I'd had enough. Well, everything went dark. Yeah, like just unnecessarily dark. Yeah, yeah. but we could do a yeah. whole show just just on him and Greg Land. I could do a whole series. Oh god. Yeah. Porno Tony Stark, please. Really? Ugh. What? Yeah, yeah. Uh. Don't ask. They don't want to know. Oh. Greg, go uh, Google Greg Land O face. Oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> You know what? Let's just say I, he really I, I likes Iron Man. He likes tracing to- Pamela Lee Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's another thing that really bothered me. You have Electra, and is she sexed up? Well, not as much as some of these Liefeldies at all. Like, like the 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 land like, of the oh, boob jobs. You mean like Domino? Oh, geez, I know a don't. character I really like, but like I don't love. His portrayal of her, especially sitting in a bathtub, it can be very disturbing. First of all, Electra will kill every single one of those. Just based on looks alone, like she mm-hmm. is clearly tougher than any any of any of those, you know, femme fatales, bar none. So it looks, even though she's dead, I would guess we're going to get her in season two. Well, uh, not to spoil it, maybe as a teaser for next time, um, we get a reference. Let's just say. Well, there's a flashback <laughs> to when they're oh, in college. Cool. And oh, cool. no, remember Cause, when cause uh, Foggy says, it. do you remember that? What about what happened with that Greek girl? Whatever. Yeah, happened. We, yeah, we mentioned that in episode one. And I was just like, holy smokes. You're absolutely right. Yeah, she's in. Yeah. Yeah, that would be fun. That's going to be great. But how do well, we wrap this up? We've, we've really, well, we've yeah, gone off the rails What are we talking here. about? We're not even <laughs> no, it's hard to wrap anything. up when we're just talking about everything. But I, think, I think the show has inspired conversations that span far beyond daredevil but like but what is good about comics and i think that's the difference between this show and many others is that it actually inspires you know people to say oh wait a minute maybe i'll look at comics again mm-hmm. it's not as 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 funny booky as it as it as it might have been right well i mean like merlin was saying it's just a good television show yeah which i mean 
and good That's art amazing. inspires. Oh, yeah, exactly. It's it's wonderful. I actually really just think that this is a good piece of work. It's a good piece of art. And I'm just I'm blown away by people who could put out a TV show. It's just think right. about the ridiculous amount of work that goes into making something coherent. And in this case, you don't even get the excuse of going, well, I knew how the first episode would go really well, and I had a pretty good idea how the first five episodes would go, right? You get into that kind of lost situation. Yeah. Like with this, like you're expected to have a unified field theory from the first frame to the last. And it's right. it's it's got to make sense because people are, you're not going to just get away with people forgetting what happened last week if somebody spends their whole weekend watching your show. I, I yeah. They've done an amazing job. And it's it's a superhero show. Like, I, I keep saying this, but it has no right to be this good, frankly. <laughs> well, you know what I mean? Like, I, I completely you, you, you know what think, you mean. You, you would think that people are like, ah, well, whatever, I got a job, but it's a superhero show, I'm going to phone it in. These people are not phoning it in. They are doing an amazing job. And it's just very, very, very good television. And I, I'm. Well, I and guy. I totally agree. And Guy, as a Mac user, I hope you'll appreciate, I mean, I don't know how long you've been using Macs, but I've been using Macs since 1987. And so if I ever seem touchy about living in a world where, the, where Apple is the most profitable or whatever yeah. company in the world, I mean, I'm not even talking about the 90s. I'm, I'm talking about the 80s. I'm talking about like utter disregard for anything in your entire world as long as you're a Mac user. You are the biggest dumbass in the world if you use a Mac. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, me and my LC. Everybody, everybody's like, what is that? A little pizza that? box. You had a pizza yes, box? Yes, yes. But, that, but the, the analogy here being, uh, we've lived through, yes, we lived through The Incredible Hulk. That was a very good show. But right. I watched every frame of Nicholas Hammond from The Sound of Music as right. Peter Parker. I watched I watched the, that uh, Captain America movie where he has the motorcycle that he puts his shield on. Oh, my God. On. Do you know like, what? You know what's hilarious is like in that movie, he does that trick where he's like, um, he fakes out like going for the car door a couple of times. I don't remember. I, I've blocked it. I, it was from about 1981. He, maybe? He, he does the lamest like he does like a lame like little. Oh yeah, no, I'm not going to get into the car, and then he just runs back and gets into a car and drives away. Oh, it was the worst. It, those were the worst because. It, it was one of those things where, like, like sort of like when you see stuff that's a bad adaptation in a movie. And, right. like, as much as people want to criticize Zack Snyder for Watchmen, I don't think you can fault him no. for, like, not getting the comic right because he didn't love the comic. He took like, on you, a big chunk. Yeah. Right. But he took on – I mean, and I, 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 I like that movie, and I will go to the, go to the mattresses over I, that. But I totally agree with you. Yeah. I think, it's, I think if, you, if you weren't the biggest, nerdiest Watchmen fan in the world and could appreciate that movie for what it is – it's a it's a fantastic spectacle, but but you really but the thing is then I mean what if you are the biggest uh, comic fan in the world like it still takes like there are not that many Joss Whedon's in the world who could on the one hand direct the Avenger, Avengers movie but also write Astonishing X Men that's a different kind of very well organized nerd that right. knows how to keep it in their pants and bring out just enough story at a time to make it really compelling when anybody wants to I mean when I do my comic meetup every quarter or so at this local comic store. Two Cats Comics, West Portal. Uh, I always say, if you're, the people say, I'm interested in X-Men, which I check out, I always point them right at Astonishing X-Men. Because mm. it's like Daredevil, it's exactly, the show, it's exactly in the pocket for like, or like Hawkeye, in that sense of like, if you like hate the Daredevil show, these kinds of things might not be for you. Like, if you can't find a way to like Astonishing X-Men, you may not be an X-Men, X-Men fan. Yeah. I mean, they really represent the top of their form, and it, you just feel the artistry of somebody who's able to pull that off. At something that's that's longer than an hour long, it's it's amazing. Yeah, uh, yeah, I totally agree. 
Oh god, we gotta wrap this up. This is how are we get out of this. What are we gonna do? Well, we, I, we, I we just we right there, right there. It just it just wrapped down. Yeah, and, I'm, I'm gonna go play ninja. I don't know what you guys are gonna do. Well, I'm going to sharpen my shuriken. <laughs> Darn right. Throw <laughs> those. Have, you seen, that, have you seen that five five year old kid doing uh, the nunchucks from the Bruce Lee movie? Have you seen that yet? No. I'll send it to you. Oh, There's a little kid, five year old kid that can exactly do the uh, the game of death nunchuck sequence without even looking at the screen. Oh, see, that's, see, that's, and that was another thing. It's like yeah. at the same time, Bruce Lee was also one of my biggest like things in my life. So like Daredevil somehow fit inside of that, and I don't know exactly how, but like, but Bruce Lee, oh jeez, I mean, it's just mm. oh, it's oh. very similar. It's, it's 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 based on like will and athleticism, and you know, and determination, right? I mean, those characters have that similarity in that way. Right. It isn't just about like you know, being in the right place when a beam landed. Like, you just had to go work really hard. Hey, go figure. Yeah, not for me. <laughs> <laughs> Gents, it has been a pleasure. Yeah. As, mm-hmm. as, as usual. I, I, I mean, I can't even say as usual. I feel like by saying that, that that's understating the whole thing. But it's, it, you know, it's an honor and a privilege. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Merlin, we finally did it, man. We talked about comics. Guy, I can't believe it. I really feel like maybe we've been doing some kind of Inception secret, like in our head podcast for years and didn't know it because I I think this might have been the first thing we've done together. I think so. It's weird. I mean, we've known each other for a long time. It seems weird. Unlike this podcast, which will stand the test of time, you're going to (laughs) edit shit out of this, right? We're talking about this. I'm, I'm, you know, it's two hours, dude. I'm so full of urine. Do you want to choose record something for you to definitely have a way out? No, I'm good. Don't worry. We're 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 some, we're we're. Look, I told you to get a milk jug. I told you that. Like I'm gonna do everything you tell me to do. Okay, I'm gonna well, stop the recording.